Good morning. How we doing? It's a good morning. Don't know how y'all are feeling. It's a good morning. Um, enjoy getting to do this. Love the opportunity to get to baptize my girl. But um, uh, hey, I want to. I love the chance to get to share God's word. Um, to get to stand up here and open up His word uh, with you guys. I want to start off. Uh, I want to start off this morning um, because I have the microphone and the stage, and just say thank you. Uh, as a faith family, for the way that you love our students and our kids. Um, Thinking about baptism, talking about baptism with Allie and her excitement to get to share that with the church, Uh, but also thinking about some of the things that we do here uh, as a faith family, some of the ways that y'all love the students and kids here. I am so incredibly uh, grateful for that. Um, I think about uh, just the opportunity to bless our kids and send them out. Um, I love that. I love that we do that. Um, I love uh, the opportunities um, that we have with our students to get to share when we come back from a retreat, things like that. Um, I even think about, like, we're preparing to open the back of the building. I think about the, the resources that have gone into making that happen. Um, as a faith family, you've just proven over and over and over again that you love our students and our kids and you care for them. And so, from, uh, from a dad, from the youth pastor, I just want to say thank you all um, for that. I remember when Janice and I um, were interviewing for the youth pastor position here uh, at Sanctuary. And um, full, just full confession, uh, I had Janice like run a recon mission um, here at Sanctuary, right? Scope the place out, right? Get the lay of the land. Let's kind of figure out what these people are about. Let's see what we're walking into, possibly. Um, and I had her come here and, and I gave her, you know, these um, glasses to wear and this hat, you know, to kind of make so she wouldn't stand out. Um, to, I didn't do that, but she wouldn't have worn it anyway. But, but I, we, we really did. She snuck in here uh, one Sunday. And when she came back, um, I was like, hey, tell me what you got. What are the findings? Did you write everything down? She was like, no, I don't do that. But she, so I was like, what'd you find? And she was like, listen, they welcome the kids. They welcomed the kids. They brought them into, into the main worship time. They prayed for them. They blessed them, and they sent them out to their classes. It was the most beautiful thing ever. And I was like, wow, what else? Okay, I mean, is there, is there anything else that you have for this? Tell me about the pastor. Does he yell a lot? I need to know things like that. She was like, no. Uh, tell me about the worship pastor. Like, what's he like? You know, it's like, like cool hip dude? Yes, 100%, Sonny. Yes. <laughs> A hundred percent. And uh, no, I, when she came back and said that, uh, I was just, I was thrilled. Um, I love, love the opportunities that our, our students and our kids um, have here and the way that y'all love them. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for, um, for that. I love that. Well, um, if you got your Bibles, uh, and I hope you do, is that what Craig says? Did I get that right? I got it right. I got it wrong at 9.15. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and grab those. Now, I'm going to share something with you real quick, and this might ruffle some feathers, and you know what? We're just going to have to deal with that later. You can send all emails to Craig, okay, uh, at sanctuaryandhim.org. And so um, we've started doing this thing uh, with our students, and we're going to do that uh, here this morning. And it, it may be a little different from what we normally do, but with our students, it was about two years ago, uh, I sat in with one of our small groups of guys. It's about eight guys. I'm sitting with them, uh, and it was like, uh, all right, we're going to go to this passage of Scripture and read it. Y'all grab your Bibles, open up your Bibles. And one of the guys grabbed his Bibles, 
And I was like, whoa, okay, do y'all not, do y'all not have Bibles? You just forgot to bring them. And they were like, they were like no, um, you put all the scripture on the screens. We don't need them. Like we just, it's, you put them up there. Uh, it's just something else we have to carry. And I was like, oh, mm, that hurt. That, it, it, like, like it shocked me to the point where I came back the next week and I was like, no scripture on screens ever, you know? Um, and so had our students start bringing, their, start bringing their Bibles and encourage them to do that. Why? Here's why. Because when a student graduates from here and they go off to college, um, we have totally missed something if our students don't know how to navigate scripture, right? And so we on Wednesday nights, and this will probably never end, but we don't have scripture on the screen. And so I don't have scripture on the screen for you this morning. I apologize. I'm so sorry. I really, I hope you brought your Bibles and I really hope you brought your Bibles. Otherwise, you're going to have to look on with somebody next uh, to you. But um, I'll tell you this, a room full of students turning the page of Scripture, most beautiful thing you've ever heard uh, in your life. So that's what we're going to do this morning. If you got your Bibles, we're going to go there. we got a couple passages of Scripture. We're going to Colossians 3, 12 through 17. I want to start here as we continue in our series to live and love like Jesus. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Good, isn't it? Here. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. It says this, and my translation, I, I am NLT, and um, I get a little flack for that. That's okay. It's, we're all reading the same thing. Um, Colossians 3, 12 through 17. It says this, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, okay? Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, those who profess Jesus, those who, whose lives have been found in Jesus, He says this, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let your hearts... uh, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representation of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thanks for the opportunity to be together. Thanks for the opportunity to open your word. God, thanks for the opportunity, the picture, the representation to see children coming to you, that you invite that. You're a God who is approachable. You're a God who uh, has exemplified in every way that we can come to you with anything and everything. And so God, help us to see that today. Help, Help us to understand how that changes our lives as we are a light to those around us. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So over the last couple weeks, we've been studying these characteristics, these mindsets of what it looks like to live and love like Jesus. Three weeks ago, we started and we talked about, uh, actually, I always quiz our students, so I'm going to do this with you. What was the first one we talked about? That's the same answer I get with our students. That's crazy. Uh, No, um, the first one we talked about, how about I just give it to you? 
Okay, that's great. Tenderness. Tenderness was the first characteristic to live and love like Jesus. The second week we talked about mercy. Mercy, what it means to have mercy like Jesus had mercy and compassion. What does it mean to have compassion like Jesus had? And I'm gonna be honest, when Craig asked me to teach, I looked through the outline of the teaching and what we were going through over these couple weeks and I saw those first three and I was like, those are heavy. Uh, along with the fact that Jana says that I struggle in all three of those. Um, what's next? What's number four? And number four was approachable. And I thought to myself, oh, that seems way easier than the other three. And I was sadly mistaken as I was studying and praying through this. So this morning, our focus is approachable. And I'm going to add the characteristic of being available. Approachable and available. So let's go to our Bibles, Matthew 19, 13 through 15. We're, we're talking about three passages of Scripture this morning. That's where we're going to focus uh, our time. Matthew 19, 13 through 15, you've probably heard this, especially when we talk about our kids. Matthew 19, 13 through 15, this interaction between Jesus, his disciples, and some parents and their kids that came up to him is found in uh, three out of the four Gospels. And a lot of times when, uh, when I see a story or something that is uh, included in three of the Gospels, um, not that any of it is not important, but I see that as, okay, something was, try- something was communicated here that we need to think about and talk about, all right? And so this, uh, you'll find this in uh, Mark 10 and in Luke 18. I believe it shows the importance for us um, in this passage, in this interaction that Jesus has. Here's what it says. Uh, 1913, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering them. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Do not stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them before he left. Now, When I read this, when I first read this, I had so many questions. I was flooded with questions because in three passages, there's just not a lot of detail, but there is a lot going on here. There's so much that we see in this passage and what happens, but there's not much detail given. So I I was thinking of these questions. Why did the parents feel confident in going to Jesus, right? At some point, these parents felt like they could go to Jesus even in the midst of his busyness and everything that he had going on. These parents felt the need, okay, we can approach him. We want him to bless our children. We have the ability to do that. I was asking the question, what am I missing about the day the disciples had had or the week or the month? Like they scolded the parents and the kids for bringing them to Jesus. So what am I, what are we missing here? Did they have a bad week? Is there something that we don't know about? Was it a long week of ministry, a long month of ministry? Had they been up late into the night helping certain people out? And then I had this thought, and I have this thought a lot. What came out of the blessing over the kids? Right At the end of it, when Jesus blesses the kids, what came out of that? I have that same thought when we bless our kids in here. Like, I wonder what they think of this. I wonder wonder how Jesus is going to use this in their lives down the road. And how did it impact the parents? So all these questions in just these three passages of Scripture, this morning I want us to consider two things, and maybe it will answer some of those questions for us. I want us to consider the disciples' reaction, and I want us to consider the character of Christ. The disciples' reaction and the character of Christ that we see in these three short passages. 
The disciples' reaction. Where did the disciples get the impression that Jesus didn't want to be approached by these parents and kids? Now, when we read these three passages, we know that Jesus had probably stopped somewhere with his disciples. It was just him and his disciples, right? And maybe Jesus, uh, or maybe the disciples were thinking, this is our time. Like, we get a little bit of downtime with Jesus. We've been doing all this ministry, all these different people, and now this is our time that we get with Jesus. Where did the disciples get the impression that Jesus didn't want to be approached by these parents and kids? Was there an incident that happened that Jesus showed this where maybe they might have thought that? I don't think so. Were the disciples misunderstanding? Maybe. It seems that the disciples' intentions were good. It it seems the disciples had good intentions here. I'm going to give the disciples the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they recognized that Jesus had had a long day. My wife does this uh, sometimes for me, like um, after a retreat. I'm super tired being uh, with students all weekend. I've gotten a total of seven hours of sleep in two nights. And I come home and I lay on the couch and the girls jump on me. And, you know, Janice is like, um, hey, girls, maybe we can just play uh, in the backyard for a little bit. Daddy's really tired. Let's let him rest. And I'm thankful for that. Um, and so maybe the disciples felt the need to do that for Jesus. Or maybe... Maybe the, parents, um, maybe the parents were getting a little pushy for their kids. They really wanted this blessing, all right? We, listen, mama bear, papa bear comes out. We kind of understand how that goes. No, this is important to us. Disciples, get out of our way, and maybe something pushed a button of the disciples. But whatever the reason, the disciples here missed the heart of Jesus. They missed the heart of Jesus. So I want to ask us this question. Was Jesus unapproachable? When he was on earth, was he unapproachable? Did he exemplify something that made people think that they could not approach him or go to him? Well, I'm going to put this up on the screen. I want us to think about this. I want us to think about those that freely came to Jesus. Okay, now, this is not some kind of scholarly study. Um, I'll confess to you that I went from Uh, chapter 1 of Matthew to chapter 28 of Matthew. And I looked at just the first couple uh, sentences of each kind of section in Matthew. And this is what I came up with. Those that freely came to Jesus. Because the only ones that were stopped were the parents and the kids. But I want you to see the people that freely came to Jesus. And I think this is important for us to understand. Those that freely came to Jesus. The sick. The crowds. These huge crowds. The Pharisees, a Roman officer, the lepers, friends with a paralyzed man, a synagogue leader with his daughter, two blind men, a demon-possessed man, a man with a deformed hand, teachers of the religious law, more religious teachers of the law, a mother with a demon-possessed daughter, a group of Sadducees, a man with a son suffering from seizures, tax collectors, a rich young ruler, more crowds, two more blind men, leading priests and elders, more Sadducees, more Pharisees, women, woman with expensive perfume, and a criminal hanging next to Jesus on a cross. When you look at the life and ministry of Jesus found in Matthew, it is clear that the disciples didn't stop a whole lot of other people. There was freedom to come to Jesus in whatever you had going on in your life, in whatever way you needed to, there was freedom to approach 
Jesus. Jesus never hindered anyone from coming to him. So whatever the reason for this reaction, the disciples here served as a barrier to those coming to Jesus. The disciples served as the barrier. I want to ask you this. Have you ever felt that Jesus was unapproachable in your own life? Have you ever felt that Jesus was unapproachable in your own life? Let me have you think about this. It could be, it could be uh, that we feel unworthy because of our sin. And because of that, Jesus becomes unapproachable, right? Because we don't feel like we are worthy and we can't go to him with the things that we have. And there was a lot of people in scripture that did not feel that way. It could be that our prayers weren't answered like the way we thought they should be. And so because of that, we distance ourselves from Jesus and we label him unapproachable because he didn't answer the way that we wanted to. And so why would I go to him again? Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says this, and I love what Jacob um, prayed earlier. He prayed for this invitation that Jesus gives us to come, to come, come to me, right? Come to me, all you, who, all you who are weary. So often in scripture, we see this invitation in Matthew 7, 7 through 8 is the same. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open for you for everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Talking about this invitation for us to approach the throne of grace and prayer freely. That he is there. He is approachable. He is willing. And the reality is a lot of times we serve as the barrier to approach Christ. Whatever it is that we have going on, whatever reservations that we have, we serve as the barrier to approach Christ. But the the truth is, um, the character of Christ remains the same yesterday, today, and forever, Scripture tells us. So, the, the reaction of the disciples, but then the character of Christ. And this is where we really want to focus this morning. See, Jesus' rebuke in here, when the disciples scold the parents and the adults, and then Jesus rebukes his disciples, rebuke, uh, harsh word for correct, okay? Jesus corrects the disciples, is is helping them um, try and understand. Jesus' rebuke is an attempt to fight for these two characteristics, approachability and availability, approachability and availability. And, and I think Jesus at that point thought that those were under attack or thought that there was a misunderstanding about these characteristics of him. So uh, as we live out the Great Commission, I believe that these are for us today. So let me talk real quick about these, approachable, this characteristic. A lot of times what we think might be a characteristic of being approachable, but I'm going to call it something a little different. I think being approachable, as I've kind of looked through the word and and thought about some of this, I think it's a label that is given to us, all right? It's it's less about this character trait that's built into us, but it's more about a label that's given to us because of the way we live in love, tenderness, mercy, compassion, and grace. It's a label that's given to us when we live and exemplify these things that we are to clothe ourselves with what Scripture says. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to confess to you, I'm probably going to do the thing where you tell your neighbor we do that sometimes, and it's pretty uncomfortable. That doesn't matter. We're going to do it anyway, okay? Who in your life is approachable? Okay, think about that for a second. Who in your life would you label 
approachable. Okay? And then second question, what makes them that way? What makes them that way that you would be able to label them approachable? What are the characteristics that you have seen in them that you would label them approachable? Okay? You have less than one minute. Go. Who in your life is approachable and what makes them that way? Husbands, the answer is your spouse. Spouse, your answer is not necessarily your husband. Just saying. I'm just saying. Y'all got it? All right. So I'm going to ask the second part of this. What are, what are the characteristics? What makes them that way? That person in your life... What makes them that you would label them approachable? And this is the part where you tell me. Non-judgmental. Okay, that's good. Say it again. Yeah, somebody that's always listening. Somebody that's always listening. What else? What is it? Somebody that is flexible. Okay. What's that? Somebody that is accepting. Good. Somebody that's honest and open. Come on, Emma. Listen, my guess is, all right, 915 was way more vocal than y'all, by the way. But anyway, um, my guess is when you think about these characteristics, think about this for a second. My guess is that this person has exemplified on numerous occasions that they are accepting of whatever it is that you're going through. And so because of that, you feel like, I can absolutely approach them. My guess is on numerous occasions, you said always listen. On numerous occasions, they have modeled or lived that they're willing to listen to anything, right? There was kindness, there's tenderness, compassion, mercy, grace, right? This is, this is a label given to someone based off of experience, right? Now, I could have had you think about the person that is unapproachable. We won't go there, okay? The person who is unapproachable is someone that you can't go to because time and time again, they've exemplified that you can't go to that person. Would you agree? And that person, we would say, they are unapproachable in my life. But the person who is approachable is the one that you have examples and examples where they have clothed themselves in love, compassion, mercy, grace, kindness, right? And so being approachable is the sum or the result of living out these characteristics that we've talked about. It's the sum or the result of a life that is clothed like Colossians said. That is this idea of approachability. This is the character trait that Jesus modeled that he was fighting for. He wanted people to know he has lived this life, and people knew that. The parents and the kids, they came to him. Why? Because they've heard about him. They've seen the way he's loved. They've seen the compassion that he's had. They've seen the way he's listened and the way that he is blessed. We have an easier time approaching someone when they have modeled tenderness, mercy, compassion, love, and grace, right? I want you to um, think about this for a second. 
um, in my a whole lot of years, a whole lot of years of youth ministry. Um, there's, there's something that, that kind of breaks my heart. It's like a statement that, uh, that breaks my heart a little bit. And a lot of times somebody will come to me and they will, you know, they, they kind of have uh, an issue or something that they're trying to figure out, something that they're trying to work through. Maybe it's a decision that has to be made. Um, maybe they're trying to work through a struggle of theirs, something like that. And they'll come to me and say, hey, Troy, you know, can I talk? Um, absolutely. Always um, up for that. And they begin to tell me about this struggle or uh, this thing that they're walking through, this decision that they've had to make. And every single time, because especially now as a dad, I know how this feels, but every single time, one of the first things that I say is, um, have you gone to your parents about this? Have you talked through that with them? Have you let them hear kind of how you're doing, how you're feeling? Um, And the thing that breaks my heart a lot of times is um, when they say, "I, I I don't think they'll listen. I don't think I can go to them. I, you know what? I don't know that. I don't know that they'll. I don't know that they'll hear me. This doesn't happen. Um, this doesn't happen a whole lot. But when it does, there's this check in my spirit. And then as you start, as we start to talk about that, because I think that's important. As we start to talk about that, the reality is there has been this life or this example that has been lived. Right? It's not just a conclusion that somebody came to, like they said this one time, and so because of that, I think this. A lot of times it happens because of a life um, that has not been loving, a life that has lacked compassion or tenderness or mercy towards their child. And so, so here's the question. Does your life, love, and actions invite people to approach you? Do do you clothe yourselves with those characteristics of Christ? Does your life, love, and actions invite people to approach you? I think when we look at the life of Jesus, I think we would say yes. And so as we talk about a a sermon series called To Live and Love Like Jesus, this this is our heart. This is what we want. The second characteristic that I think we see here in uh, Matthew 19 is this characteristic of being available. Characteristic of being available. Being available, I think, is having the heart of Jesus to lay down your agenda, your routine, your schedule, and your tasks for the sake of God's work and God's children. And my wife is laughing because she knows how hard this is for me. But having the heart to lay down your agenda for God's agenda and his work. Now, listen to me when I say this, because I don't want us to get this wrong. Available is not making yourself available at all points for whatever. Like, okay, I can never say no to anybody. That's That's not the point here. Available is having the heart of Jesus to lay down your agenda for the sake of God's work what he wants to do here. See, over and over in Scripture, we see Jesus pull away for a specific amount of time, right? He makes himself unavailable. Why? So that he can be fully available to how God wants to speak to him. So in our passage, Jesus rebuked the disciples because he wanted to be available to the ways that God wanted to, that his father wanted to use him, even in those small ways, what the disciples thought, okay, this is a small way, like, I hear you, you want, us to, you want Jesus to bless your children, that's fine, but we're having a really important conversation here, 
And so that seems kind of small. Can you just wait for a little bit? It, Jesus rebuked them because he wanted to be available big or small. See, the disciples were seeing miracles happen, right? The sick were coming, and Jesus was healing them. And the disciples were going, that's huge, right? And they were seeing Jesus kind of battle it out with the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And the religious leaders would always walk away feeling defeated. And they were going, that's huge. Like Jesus is changing their perspective, maybe. All right. And so the disciples seeing this are going, just doesn't seem that important. But Jesus models that he wanted to be available to the small things. Isn't it amazing? thinking about this this week, isn't it amazing how over and over in Scripture, God uses those who are available and willing despite their capabilities? Do you notice that in Scripture? Do you see that theme regularly, right? Where, where Jesus, where God calls somebody, but they don't really, they're not really capable. You remember Moses in the burning bush? He says, not, I mean, is there anybody else? Like, I can't, I can't do this. Is there anybody else that you're thinking God calls not based on capabilities, but on availability. It was their willingness to make themselves available to God's work, and the same is true for us. Here's what I found, is that God uses me in the life of my own kids when I commit just to be available to what God wants to do, right? And God uses us in the same way, and God uses I believe God uses us in our marriages when we go, God, whatever it is that you want to do, I'm available to how you want to use me to love her. I'm available to how you want to use me to show her your love when we are available to that it, with our coworkers. God, I'm available to however you want to use me with the people that I'm alongside of every single day. God, I'm available to the friends and the people and the neighbors that are right around me. I am available. And this is when God uses. See, God doesn't need the capable. He desires the available. Okay. God doesn't need the capable. He desires the available. And then he equips those who make themselves available to the work of Christ. So here's a question. We'll kind of close here. Are you willing to be available for God to use you? Are you willing to be available for God to use you? And when we look at those characteristics, I want to look real quick because I don't want to miss this last part of this passage of Scripture. Why is this important? Why are these two characteristics important? One, one to, to have all of these characters wrapped up in ourselves so that when the lost world outside sees us, they see somebody who is loving, tender, compassionate, merciful, filled with grace, and they feel that they can approach us. Why is this important? I want us to look at the last part of, um, of this passage in Matthew 19. Um, in, at the end of verse 14, it says this, For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Belongs to those who are like these children. So the kingdom of heaven is not just for children. Okay, We're not discounted here. It says that, that are like children. So what does this mean? mean to be like a child. Here's the reality. Children can't bring themselves. Remember the first part of this passage? It said that parents brought their children to Jesus. Why? Because children can't bring themselves. They couldn't bring themselves. They needed help, all right? He, he doesn't mean the kingdom is possessed just by children. 
that only, only children get it. That word is extremely important, right? Because think about this, beyond being a child, right? Once you start to grow up a little bit and you get to a certain age, then you begin to be told to make your own way, right? To find your own way, to be your own person, that you are capable of doing things on your own, right? You know, parents, that's that moment where we're like, hey, listen, you can cook a grilled cheese on your own. Cook the grilled cheese. And we begin to empower them and give them these responsibilities to be capable to do the things that they want to do, right? All these things point to this idea of help yourself. Now, it's interesting because, like, I'll be honest, as a student pastor, I was looking at this going, why not middle school, high school students? Like, why can't this say, let the middle school, high school students come to me? I started thinking about this. This is no knock against middle school, high school students, but the reality is, and parents, you know, that when a middle schooler gets into middle school, they begin to go, hey, I don't know how much more I need you. You know, like, I think I'm, I think I'm beginning to understand that I can kind of do this thing on my own. Like, I'm, I'm pretty good. Like, I think I got this right? And so it's not said, let the middle school, high school students come to me. Again, no knock on them. That's just kind of how things go. The invitation is not to come to Jesus with all we have, but to come to him in desperation. Like a child in desperation that is in desperate need of care and that needs constant uh, watch and, and love over them. His welcome is to those who are in desperate need of a Savior. So here's where our characteristics, the characteristics of Jesus, tie into this truth of the kingdom of heaven. It's this, the heart of approachability and availability are necessary because we don't fully understand the neediness and the desperation of those approaching us, right? And of those God is calling us to be available for. The way that these things tie together is that when our life models approachability and availability, then then we have the opportunities with these people who are in desperate need and don't know where to go. And they go to someone who they think, who embodies love and who always listens and who's accepting and who's kind and who's merciful and who's gracious and who won't condemn, right? And we, we go to these things. There is a... There is a, let's, I want to finish here. There's a lost world that needs to experience the clothing of God on us. There's a lost world that needs to experience God in us. Let's pray. Father, we um, give you thanks for this passage of Scripture. God, maybe we come to you like children in desperate need, in desperate need. How often do we come to you thinking that we know best and thinking that we have the answers? Are there any other way than we desperately need you? We cannot do this without you. That's how you desire us to come to you and approach you with confidence that you have everything that we need. And so God, would you just allow us as this church right here on the corner of Mars Hill due west to clothe ourselves with compassion and mercy and tenderheartedness and grace 
And all of that bound up in this characteristic of love. Father, help us to model that as we walk out these doors, in these doors as well, but as we walk out these doors today. God, we want the world around us to see something very, very different. And Father, that comes from you and you alone. So God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you call us into. Thanks for the ways that you're working and moving. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.